So I'm really excited about this series that we're kicking off at our church, but also I wanted to to come in here into the factory and let you know that, as many of you know, we launched a online ministry school around February of last year. Our daughter, Victoria, uh, was uh, having some severe seizures that went on for a while, and we ended up having a brain surgery in May, seven-hour surgery. She was awake for two hours of it. Surgery was, was a success, and then the medications, and then the aftermath, there was some just some other really severe um, battles that she had to really persevere through. You know, brain surgery is a real serious thing, and and then, and so emotionally, I just, we couldn't continue on with the school. I kept trying to, but I just, my heart wasn't there because I needed to be with my baby, and so she is doing really well, just so thank you for everyone who's been praying for her. And we are kicking off the factory. If you're looking for the group on Facebook, the actual address is Forged in the Factory. I think it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Forged in the Factory. And here next week, we'll be kicking off with that series, Teach Me to Pray. We're just relaunching it. It's going to be real exciting. As some of you know, this is a book they've been working on for a while. And so it will be complete. And uh, I'll say more about that later. Uh, as we're getting ready to move into this this new year, there's some things that I felt in my heart were real, real. Uh, I was really strong about as far as you know what to teach in, in this church. We recently took a church, of course, in Homer, Louisiana, about three months ago, an awesome church and just a group of people that are just hungry for the things of God. I don't know. If, uh, many of you probably know that the church really has been going through a season. In, in America, for sure, and we're in the middle of a of a reformation. I'm just excited about. We are honestly in a season of a reformation, and some people are going to have a difficult time trying to, you know, be able to discern what that is because they're so stuck in the past. Or when they try to think, yeah, God's doing something new, and there's a reformation, and they're trying to put something together in their own mind of what they think it's going to look like by reflecting on something in the past. But I think God's just doing something really unique. It's a great time to be alive. It's definitely a, a difficult time to be alive, but we have the Holy Spirit and the grace of God is on us, so we're going to get through it and be strong. We started a series right now, I'm calling it Majoring on the Minors, and uh, I'm not going to try to reproduce this morning's uh, message or, or sermon. This morning was just wild. I had a difficult time even getting starting worship just because I was so, I just felt the Spirit of the Lord just ready to preach and minister. And so even right now, I can feel myself getting excited. So I'm going to just tone it down for just a minute. I will say this, if you'd like to comment, please do. I'll make sure I I try to look at the comments. I I can be able to see them. I can even bring some of them here. Again, this is also going to be an audio podcast. So for those of you who are listening to Randy in real life, glad to have you here right now. and, And I hope you enjoy the material. You can find this group, Forge in the Factory, on Facebook, and also to our church family. This is Lighthouse Online. Real excited. So we're going to be, we're calling this major on the minors, and and I'm not just actually going to call that the title, even though I did create a little banner right here, majoring on the minors, because you know, in the Old Testament, you've got the major prophets and the minor prophets, but uh, it's it's not because the minor prophets are less than the major prophets. It's just, it has to do with content. The major prophets are just much, much longer, and there's more volume to the book, whereas the minor prophets, it's much less. It could be a chapter or a few chapters. Now, of course, many of you know that chapters and verses were 
not originally a part of the Hebrew or Greek canon of Scripture, that was added you know, a few centuries ago to make it easier for us to reference it. I don't know about you, but I appreciate that. Imagine saying, hey, open up to somewhere in the middle of Jeremiah or, you know, or just like 30% of the way in. You're trying to find and read together. I appreciate chapter and verse. So I said, let's, this, the idea of majoring on the minors was let's look at some of the, the epistles rather than like First and Second Corinthians and Romans, a much larger one. Let's look at these smaller epistles that we can really jump into, like you know, Ephesians, Galatians, Colossians, Philippians. There's so much content in there. And I really felt like I wanted to go through Scripture, especially going into this new year, 2022. It's, a, it's very easy today to just pick a topical sermon. We can try to go into marketing strategies and think what's going to attract the most people or catch their ear, and we come up with a fancy title, and, and we teach on a subject. And a lot of times we'll take a, uh, an exciting-sounding topic or take some popular TV show, or, and, and, and I've done those things in the past, so I'm not condemning that. And then we'll add uh, maybe a scripture or two to kind of support this topic. But there's something powerful about reading through the scriptures. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start with Ephesians, and we're going to just take our time, and we're going to work our way through it. So right now is just going to be a, a, a intro to the book of Ephesians. But I wasn't counting on the the, the Lord just just wrecking me in an awesome way. And I'm going to get there in a minute. As I was in prep to do the book of Ephesians, I looked at Colossians and Galatians, and we may get into those this year, but I really felt strongly about um, starting in the epistle of the Ephesians. It's such an explosive epistle, and and you know the theme of Ephesians, they say the theme of Colossians is Christ the head. The, the theme of Ephesians is Christ the body. And Ephesians, so you know, is such a is such a um, power. The, all the Word of God is powerful. If I had to memorize one book of the New Testament, I'd, I'd probably want to memorize the book of Ephesians. I shared this today at church. There's a man named Watchman Nee who was just a powerful minister in China. And when you know when communism came in and took over, all the missionaries were sent out. Churches were bulldozed to the ground and just burned. Many Christians, thousands, you know, tens upon tens of thousands of Christians were imprisoned, beaten, murdered, and had to be silent. Some of them had their tongues cut out, and some of them had their fingers cut off so they wouldn't be able to write anymore. And there was one particular man named Watchman Nee, and he actually, from what I understand, he only wrote one book, but he preached so many sermons that people took a lot of his information down and released them as books. One of them was this book right here, Sit, Walk, Stand. Now, this actual copy, it's real tiny. It's maybe 50 pages, depending on which version you get uh, on how big the print is. It actually was my parents. So my mom and my daddy, this is actually their book that they had. And when I was a young Christian, I grabbed it and, and took it and as a teenager and started you know, trying to read it. I was so young and so much that I missed in, in this season, but... He wrote this, I think it came out in 1957 in, in Bombay, which is M- Mumbai now. It was first printed in Bombay. And then later on, it got printed in America in 1977. It's been reprinted so many times. This is an explosive book. And it's called Sit, Walk, Stand. And he was not exhaustive in this. You know, He wasn't trying to be exhaustive in the book of Ephesians, but he was sharing that the powerful thing about the book of Ephesians is that it gives three pictures of our position of the believer. And the first position is that of sitting. 
And, and Watchman Nee said that it's the first three chapters gives this picture of sitting. You know, we've been, he, first off, he's been made to sit at the right hand of the Father, and we've been made to sit with him in heavenly places, and it gives our position in Christ is that of that we sit. A lot of times in Christianity, you can strive and you think, if I just work enough, if I'm good enough, if I can try hard enough, then I can get to a point where I can rest in him. And Watchman Nee says, no, you begin by sitting you know, and, and resting in him and what he has already done in your life. And so we are made, we've been made to sit. But then the second part of the book of Ephesians is about the believer's walk. And we see that in Ephesians chapter four, all the way to Ephesians chapter six, verse nine. We see that it speaks about the fivefold ministry gifts. It speaks about the body of Christ. Let me just say this real quick. Wednesday night, uh, if the weather's real bad, we'll do it online right here. And if you're interested, the factory, then I will go live in that group also. But we're definitely going to do it in Lighthouse Online if it's the weather's too bad for us to meet. And we're going to do a series on the fivefold ministry gifts, which will come out of Ephesians chapter 4. We'll still hit it on church on Sunday, but not as exhaustively. What we're going to do on Wednesday night, we're going to go into the nitty-gritty as far as what specifically the apostle, prophet, and evangelist. We're going to talk about what they are and what they are not misconceptions, um, you know, false apostles, false prophets, false evangelists, and and what they actually look like in the church and in the body of Christ. One thing real quick about fivefold ministers is they have an absolute love and, you know, for Jesus Christ, number one. Number two, they are deeply in love with the body of Christ and they fight for unity and they stand against division. And so we're going to really go in there and we're going to talk about People that you might be watching, you're like, I wonder if I'm called and and maybe have a hunger and aspiration, and and I'm going to talk about the road to the fivefold. Starts with the call of God, and then His preparation process. And a lot of people want to bypass that, but we'll get into that in a little bit. So then, in Ephesians chapter six, verse nine. So you got Ephesians one through three, which is we've been made to sit with Him in the heavenly places, and it's just a masterpiece, Ephesians 1 through 3. Ephesians 4 through Ephesians 6, 9 is our walk, you know, you know, as a believer. So sit, walk, it talks about marriage, it talks about parenting, talks about a number of things. Uh, holiness, and then you get into Ephesians 6, verse 9 to the, the rest of that chapter, and it's our stand against the enemy, stand, you know, ready for battle. So much I want to say about that. So that's what Watchman Nee had to say, and it was so powerful. So let's talk about Ephesians uh, real quick. Remember, uh, the theme of Ephesians is Christ the body. Now, uh, and sit, walk, stand, of course, is, is a great way to sum up, you know, the book of Ephesians. It's our, you know, that we've made to sit, walk, and then stand. Now, I have a couple of scriptures here, and, you know, and first I want to say this, that in Acts chapter 19, you can read there, this is Paul's third missionary journey. And on this missionary journey, now Paul was an absolute apostle, and he was a prophet and an evangelist, pastor and teacher. Paul was like all the fivefold. And so the apostle Paul was on his third missionary journey. Now, when Paul came to Christ, he immediately began to preach Jesus. I want to tell you this right now. If you're a believer, as funky as you may be, you may have a lot of stuff going on in your life. There's some of you have been serving God for a long time and you've got some funky stuff going on in your life. You can proclaim the gospel. You can share the gospel. You can let people know about the good news of Jesus Christ while he is still working in your life. The apostle Paul surely did. 
and he immediately was on the run. Then you see him over here, and he's in the desert where, I mean, Jesus himself has given him revelation. Now, the revelation he's getting is not contradictory to the word of God, okay? And so he's getting this revelation, and then he spent years and years in a, in a place where Barnabas gets him and brings him to Jerusalem, and then he served for a number of years at the church in Antioch. The Bible says in Acts 13, there were certain prophets and teachers in the church in Antioch. And while they were praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. So you see here that the Apostle Paul spent years serving the body of Christ. He spent years teaching and working out of the local church. And then the Holy Spirit finally separates him and Barnabas for the work that they were called to. And so they go out and they begin to preach. First missionary journey, second missionary journey, third missionary journey. Paul gets to Ephesus. This is his third missionary journey. And you can read about this in Acts chapter 19. Go read that chapter. Now, let me say this, that the Apostle Paul, when he was at the uh, the church in, uh, really when he planted churches, like the churches of Galatia, Paul would go and spend three or four months at uh, at a church, three or four months at one location, especially with the churches of Galatia. He planted about four churches in the region, in the province of Galatia. And so he would go to one area, he was there for three or four months, then he went to a different area for three or four months, another area for three or four months, another area for three or four months, anywhere from you know, a year to about a year and a half in this entire region, planting four different churches, and then he moves on. And so then he gets eventually to Ephesus now, and this is the longest place that he was. Uh, he was 18 months, he, he pioneered the work in Corinth, but when he gets to Ephesus. He was there for three years, three years in Ephesus. And you can read again, go look in Acts chapter 19, powerful things are happening. While he's planning this church in Ephesus, now this is like an intro to the book of Ephesians. Next week, we're going to hit Ephesians chapter one, verse one, and we're going to start going through, but I want to say some things real quick. So he gets in here and, and he starts, uh, you know, uh, he's hearing some news about the church at Corinth where he had been for about 18 months planning that work. So he actually sends a couple letters to the church at Corinth. One of them is lost to us. He actually wrote four letters to Corinthians. Two total are lost to us. We have what we call 1st and 2nd Corinthians, which are actually 2nd and 4th Corinthians. Are you confused yet? Anyway, and so it was a brutal, one of them was a very brutal letter where he's being in correction and rebuke to them for a number of things. There was rampant sexual immorality. They weren't repentant of it. They had a man who was causing division in the church and they would not deal with him. And so it was a heated letter bathed in tears to the church at Corinth. There's no one, I don't think that if you want to study church planning and look at the heart of a shepherd, look at the apostle Paul. We get caught up in titles. Paul didn't get caught up in titles. We get caught up in too much in titles today. And so um, I love when Paul classifies himself as a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, but he is a servant, a slave of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and so anyway, so here's Paul. He's there for three years, and when he's getting ready to leave them, he meets with them and says, look, you're, I'm not going to see your face no more. He's weeping. They're weeping. And he's like, remember everything that I taught you for three years. He worked with his own hands to provide for him and his team. He had about seven or eight people on his ministry team, more than that, but seven or eight that were like 
people that he was training up as apostolic workers. In Paul's third missionary journey, there were probably 11 churches minimum that were planted. Paul planted a couple of them. Some planted the church in Laodicea, Colossae. And so uh, anyway, it was just an awesome, awesome season here. So then we see this is around AD 54 to AD 57. So you got that? AD you know, 54 to AD 57 is where Paul is there. He's writing, uh, I mean, he's, he's planning this church. He's laying the groundwork. The book of Ephesians was written around AD 61 to AD 63. So you're talking anywhere from like nine, you know, seven to nine years later, Paul writes this letter to the Ephesians church. And so what's fascinating about the book of Ephesians is, you know, he, he wasn't bringing a lot of rebuke. Uh, you know, like he had to with some of the other churches, like to Ro- the church at Rome, Corinth, Galatia. And so, uh, but he's writing this letter. It's Again, it's just amazing. Our position in Christ, our walk, and how to stand against the enemy, spiritual warfare. It's so rich. But I want to do something. I want you to go with me now to, we're talking about Acts 19. You can go read that yourself. Go read that chapter, and it'll give you kind of, I think it's fascinating to read that passage and this next we're going to look at, and then think about, the church, uh, you know, at Ephesus. Let me say this real quick. When Paul wrote this letter, uh, the, the church, uh, Ephesus was very comparative to New York City. It was like a Mecca. It was a major centerpiece of Asia Minor. It was the largest city in Asia Minor. It wasn't the capital of Asia Minor, but it was the largest city. It was at least probably 220 to 225,000 people that lived there. Paul had a habit of targeting these major urban areas, you know, Ephesus, you know, and and uh, you know, Corinth and Galatia. He went to port cities where the obviously the gospel was going to just expand and the influence was just going to continue to reach out. And so Paul, if you look in Colossians chapter 4, verse 16, a lot of people believe that Paul is actually referencing uh, to the Colossians, uh, you know, the, the letter that he'd written to Ephesus. And uh, let me read that real quick. It's in Colossians 4, 16. Paul says, now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans. I just think that's so cool. And look here, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And, and most theologians believe that that letter he was referencing that was in Laodicea was this one right here, the book of Ephesians. Fascinating to me. Matter of fact, in the early church, when they would, uh, for church, they would assemble and they would literally take this letter from Paul and they would, from front to, to, to the end, they'd read the whole thing. Beginning to end, they'd just all sit down and read it. I mean, things were happening. People were breaking out in song and worship and prayer, and the Spirit of God was moving, and there was ministry, but they literally read the whole letter. So some of some people get a little upset when a pastor preaches too long today. Well, you would have had a very difficult time in the early church where they just sat there and just read the whole letter. And I mean, the hearts were moved on the edge of their seats, ready to hear what this is, this instruction, this admonition from the Word of God. Okay. So you go to Revelations chapter 2. Now, Revelations was written by the Apostle John around AD 95. Now, church history tells us this, that all of the apostles died horrible deaths, except for John, the beloved. Church history also teaches that John was probably about 14 to 16 years old when Jesus called him to follow. A lot of the disciples were older teenagers or young men in their early 20s. You know, isn't that cool? I don't know how many of you may not have known that. 
But so here you have John, who's probably the youngest disciple that followed Jesus, and he is the, they actually tried to boil him to death. He didn't die, so they exiled him to Patmos. The man who exiled him died, and so John eventually got off of the island of Patmos and was out of exile. Tradition says that Paul went to Ephesus, and he took over and oversaw that church. Timothy had already passed away, Paul's spiritual son, and uh, John oversaw that church until he died. Uh, the church at Ephesus, outside of the church of Jerusalem, is probably one of the largest churches. Uh, church history says there's probably 20,000 people at the church of Ephesus. The church of Jerusalem was much larger. And so um, it's just crazy, right? Here they are in pagan communities, and the gospel just knows no boundaries, just expanding and exploding. Look at us, we're here right now, because Paul the apostle took the gospel to the Gentiles. Okay, so we get here in Revelations chapter 2. Now, when we're reading this, this is written in AD 95, so I want you to follow this. The church was planted around AD 54 to AD 57. The epistle was written in 61 to 63, all right, so just a few years after that church was planted. Now look here, so if it's written in, let's say, AD 61 to AD 63, so a little over 30 years later, look at what's happening. This is the church at Ephesus. This is the church that Paul wrote this letter to. Better, this is the church that the Spirit of God wrote to through the hands of the man that Paul was dictating his letter to. I'm getting too detailed, aren't I? And I'm saying this because if you think about a church like the church I just stepped in, Lighthouse Church in Homer, that church, I believe, they told me today, is 43 years old. I asked while I was preaching. So this would be very close to the time frame. Uh, and Lighthouse may be a little bit older. So look, and let's just say 40 years, 40 years, the church went from being planted to look at the letter uh, that they're getting from Jesus Christ, right? This is red letters. Look here. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, this is Revelations chapter 2, verse 1. All right, so there you go. Revelations 2, 1 through 7. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works. Now, you know we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. But the Bible says you can identify, Jesus said you can look at a tree or the fruit of a tree and determine what kind of tree it is by the fruit. So if you've been born again, there is a natural work that's just coming out of your life. He says, I know your works. He tells every single church in the book of Revelations, I know your work. So he says, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. There are some people today who believe that all the church is supposed to do is we're just supposed to be sweet and just love on everybody and it's a big kumbaya party. Doesn't even matter how you live your life. Doesn't matter if you've really been set free. We preach things. Oh, you're free. Come on, you've been delivered. Come on, God, God's working in you. But yet, act as though he's not. So either he has or he hasn't. If the Lord has set us free, then let's be free. Amen? Uh, you know, Christ is holy, so we should be like him. And I don't know about you, but I need the Holy Spirit in my life. I need the word of God working in my life. I need all of his grace. I want to be like him. Look here. I know your works, uh, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they're apostles and are not and have found them liars. This church, look, if you had an apostle come in or somebody who called themselves something, they'd find out if they were really that or not. And if they weren't, they'd call them out as a liar. And he says here, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my namesake. 
and have not become weary. So they're getting commended. This is wonderful. I don't know about you, but I'll, I'll, I want to be commended by the Lord. I want to know the things that, that are pleasing to him. I want to know these areas of my life. And we can see a picture of it right here. This is Jesus speaking to his church. Then he says, this is the church at Ephesus. Come on, this is the church. Look, this is the church that knew who, who they were in Christ. They've been made to sit with him in the heavenly places. They know about spiritual warfare. And look what happens here. He says, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. So this church, this when we're about to go through this series on the book of Ephesians, this is a church that, that in a few decades from what we're going to be looking through, they neglected, they abandoned, they forsook their first love. And Jesus was absolutely not happy about it. Jesus wants to be first. He wants to be the object of your passion, of your affections. And he says here, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Some translations say, remember the height from where you have fallen. And he says, and do the first works. Repent and do the first works. Now, a lot of people don't like that word repent today. A lot of people in the spirit field, non-denominational, full gospel, word of faith movements, they don't like the word repent. And, and, and they don't like it um, when, when maybe even when Jesus says to repent. <laughs> this is not a bad word at all. This is an awesome, uh, you know, uh, one pastor I served under said that repentance is the gift of God that comes from brokenness. It's a beautiful thing. And, uh, you know, and you've got flesh on your body. You, you've got a mind that's, that's not fully renewed to the word of God. So you're going to catch some stuff in this life. And we have this awesome opportunity to live a lifestyle of, of repentance. The apostles, the early church, every man and woman of God, every revivalist through church history, they lived this lifestyle of repentance. We have the privilege of looking at church history and looking at the lives of men and women of God who started off great and ended off not good at all. You can even look at some of the lives of people that started off great, got off, and by the mercy of God, they came back, course corrected, and God used them in a significant and a powerful way. But you can also look at people's life and, and see where they didn't end up so well. The Apostle Paul said, you know, follow the faith and consider the outcome of their life. Don't be blind. Some people walk around blind and well, I don't see it, and I don't want to believe it. And I don't. No, it's real reality. We have an adversary in this world, an enemy. We have the world, the flesh, the devil, and we got to overcome. All that's for free. He says, "Remember from where you're fallen, repent, and do the first works." All this other stuff's great. All this wonderful thing. You, you test and false apostles, and you know you're persevering, you're laboring, you have great patience, you have no tolerance for people who who are evil. Um, you know, but but you're not. You're not in love with him like you were in the beginning. Repent and do the first works or else, or else I will come to you quickly. My goodness, you know, uh, I don't know about you, but like growing up, my mama, you know, I'd, I'd hear my name, Randy. Then if I wasn't responding, then I'd hear Randy boy. And I knew, oh, we're getting close. But if for some reason, if I hear my first middle last name, I know I am a dead man that quickly it's on its way. Here's Jesus and I'll come to you quickly. He's given them a warning right here and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. My, my pastor had told me, uh, he was teaching one day and he said, 
I don't know what that means about removing the lampstand, but it sounds like a bad thing. And it sounds like a church can have their lampstand removed. And if it gets removed, then that church ceases to exist. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's happened all throughout church history. You can see churches that started off, and all of a sudden, doors are shut. They don't exist anymore. The candlestick's gone. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. The Nicolaitans taught this real greasy grace message that it didn't matter how you lived your life, that it didn't affect your salvation, didn't affect anything about you, that, that basically salvation could also be a license to sin. Look in verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So this is that same church, Ephesus. So look at that, Colossians 4.16, and just think about that. It's fascinating. Go to Acts 19. See Paul planning this church. Now, let's get into Ephesians chapter uh, Ephesians, and I'm not going to go much further. Actually, I'm, I'm fixing to get ready to stop right now. I want to say this to as I get ready to hit this last point, uh, and you can actually go to Ephesians chapter one. I'm not gonna, I'm just going to say a few things, and we're going to close. Uh, this quick reminder: this first series in the factory is going to be called "Teach Me to Pray." It'll only be in the factory. It won't be on Lighthouse Online. It's only going to be right there in the factory. So um, we're going back now to. The uh, Ephesians, and here's how we're going to close. I'm going to tell you something I did that just rocked my world. This morning, I'm, I can't tell you enough. I just, I didn't know if I was going to be able to stop preaching. I sat down and I told myself, Randy, um, I did this actually last week. Last week, I went on, uh, I sat in my recliner right over here, and I went to the first epistle uh, in the New Testament, Romans, chapter 1. And all I did was I wanted to read every time it said the name Jesus or God or Father or Spirit or that I was referencing him. If it said he or himself, of whom, in him, in Christ. And I went to Romans, chapter 1. I was like, oh, wow. Then I went to 1 Corinthians and did the same thing, chapter 1. Oh, wow. Then I went to 2 Corinthians, chapter 1. Oh, wow. Galatians, chapter 1. Oh, I got to Ephesians and it just rocked my world. And I just went all the way through, just looking in chapter one of all the epistles, every reference to the name Jesus, and it blew me absolutely away. So uh, over the last few days, I went to the book of Ephesians, and I said, I'm going to mark every time it says the name Jesus, God, Father, Spirit, that's referencing him. And this is very important today. It's very important. Why? Because people are, will, will come and teach things that are not really accurate. They can teach things and so distract the body of Christ. Let me tell you this right now. We want Jesus Christ to be elevated. I'm getting excited. We want Jesus to be elevated. You want Jesus to be elevated in your life. It's 2022. Come on. The time's going by. Years are going by. Jesus is the one who brings freedom into your life. Jesus is. Now listen here. They had no confusion of who the apostle Paul was talking about. When you get to the book of Ephesians, I want to tell you this, that over 200 times you will see the name Jesus or God or Father or Lord or Spirit or Messiah over 200 times, over 200 times in this little six-chapter epistle. I don't know about you, but that gets me very excited. I'm sitting in here and I'm reading this where it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, 
to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. I don't know about you, but I get so excited. It's like, if, if you happen to forget what the church is about, if you happen to forget who it is that's working in you, if you happen to forget who is the one who went to the cross and was raised from the dead and who filled you, if you happen to not be sure anymore of, of who you're really serving, look, get in Ephesians and be reminded. Get into the Bible and be reminded. Look, there are infinite references all throughout the Bible to God and Jesus and who he is in his majesty. You get into the New Testament and get overwhelmed with the power and the might and the majesty of Jesus. Look, the apostle Paul over 200 times wanted the church at Ephesus to know it's about him. And not one time did he mention some type of demon or Jezebel or any, matter of fact, Jezebel's only mentioned one time in the entire New Testament, in Revelations, and it was a specific event. It wasn't a spirit. It was a woman who called herself a prophetess who was teaching people astray, and he even gave that woman a time to repent. But you know what? If we will focus on Jesus, we don't have to be worried about Jezebel. If you focus on Jesus, you don't have to worry about, can I overcome sin? Listen, greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world. It is God. Listen, God, the Bible says, is the one who's reconciling the world to himself. God is the one who's working you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's the one through the cross and the resurrection. He broke the chains of bondage over your life. It's his blood. It's his blood that speaks better things over you than that of righteous Abel. Righteous Abel's blood says vengeance. The blood of Jesus Christ says mercy. There is mercy for you today. And I encourage you, it's 2022. You may have started off yesterday and just screwed everything up already on the first Guess what? Start over right now. You don't have to wait for 2023. The Bible says that his mercies are new every single morning. I want to give you this other thing too here. The Bible says this, and this just came to me right now. The Bible says this in Romans. I believe it's in Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. By the way, I'm sorry, guys. I hope that I'm not blowing up the microphone. I hope y'all can all hear me, and uh, hello. <laughs> I haven't even looked at any comments, but um, uh, let's see. It's in Romans chapter 16, verse 19. Y'all ready? Romans chapter 16, verse 19. I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Be wise concerning good and be simple concerning evil. One translation says to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. Be wise when it comes to the majesties and the glory 
and the most the, the the awesomeness of who Jesus Christ is, the Son of the Most High God, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Son of Man, Son of God. Be wise to who He is and simple concerning evil and the foolishness in the world and deception. Be wise to what is good. Woo! Listen, I hope this has been able to be a blessing to you. We will go live on Wednesday night if the weather's bad and it looks like it's going to be pretty bad. We'll make the call by Tuesday, let you know. And if it is, then on Wednesday, we're going to be doing a series on Lighthouse Online on the fivefold ministry gift. I may make that available also in the factory. Next week on Thursday, we're going to be going live in just the factory with uh, kicking off Teach Me to Pray. We're going to be redoing that in a way. It'll be right here. I hope you enjoy the, the new setup here for our live videos. Love you all. I hope you got something out of this. I'd say share it if you want to, but it's a private group. Both these, I think, are private groups. If you'd like to be a part of the factory, all you have to do is go in there and request to join, and I can I'll accept you there. If you want to be a part of the Lighthouse Online group and follow what's going on with Lighthouse Church, then you're more than welcome to join in here as well. Um, the factory is called Forge in the Factory. I will share a link on our Facebook page here in just a few minutes, and uh, I'd love to have you in there. I want to pray for you, though, before we go. And also, again, we have our audio podcast here. Uh, if you'd like to, you can follow Randy in real life. I also did not do many podcasts uh, last year, especially towards the latter end of the year, just because I felt like I needed to focus on my family and our daughter. And so thank you again so much for your prayers. Some of you may know that she was actually in a, in a wreck. It's like the, the uh, Victoria's had so many battles this last year. So we just keep lifting her up in tremendous prayer. And thank you to so many for the outpouring of love and support and prayers for her. And uh, she swerved to miss a deer this, this past week. And by the grace of God, she's okay. Let me pray for you. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. God, I just thank you for every person who's watching or listening to this, uh, this, this, this video or this podcast. God, I thank you that you're working in them. God, I thank you even for this series, Lord, that you take this series and that through it, you'd help us have a more passionate hunger for Jesus Christ. Let Jesus Christ be exalted in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you're, um, you're, you're exposing us to your truth. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us into all truth. God, I thank you that you're working in Homer and Claiborne Parish and the surrounding area in Shreveport. And for everyone who's watching their particular cities and their churches, Lord, that you're working their churches. God, we bless their pastors. We bless their staff, their children's ministries, their youth ministries. God, we lift up the United States of America. And we say over this country, let Jesus Christ be exalted. God, we thank you for that right now. And we trust you. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for joining me. And we'll be back. Real soon.